welcome to the Mason Jar Podcast. I'm Renee Mathis, and I'm your host for this series of podcasts on mentoring moms. Whether you are a young mom in need of guidance or an older mom with wisdom to share, I hope you'll join me on this encouraging journey. Well, today we're going to talk about building a group, a community of homeschooling families. And my guest today is Jamie Rives, a friend and homeschooling mom from here in the Houston area. We first met three years ago at a Searcy Regional Conference, and I guess the fact that my talk included homemade chocolate chip cookies won her over, but at any rate, it has been a joy to get to know Jamie and her growing family. So welcome, Jamie. It's good to have you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Good. Well, listen, why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about you and your family and your homeschool? Okay. Well, I have six children. My eldest is 12. And we've been homeschooling since the beginning. And we have, I think like most homeschoolers, gone on a journey and redirected and changed courses a few times. Um, But overall, it's been really encouraging. And we're just really grateful to be doing what we're doing. All right. So um, what what does a day in your homeschool look like? (laughs) Well, it really depends. Um, We have in our mix, we have a one-year-old and a two-year-old. So um, that means that it's never the same. An an average day um, usually involves starting on their own and joining in together for morning time and then working on independent work and just me bouncing back and forth between all the people that need the help. So it's always busy, but it's a good busy. All right. Very nice. And I know you have referred to yourself as a, a Charlotte Mason homeschooler. Yes. So, so I how to identify as a Charlotte Mason. <laughs> All right. Well, it's nice to have our people. <laughs> um, wh- how does that make your school, say, look different than somebody else's? Or how would you say you've incorporated those ideas into your, into your home? One of the things that I have been most encouraged by in learning more about Charlotte Mason and her her philosophies and her methods is that it's not so much about what you do as it is why you do it. And so being able to think in terms of principles and um, these bigger ideas and then make some decisions on my own has been really freeing and really encouraging. So learning some of these concepts, um, like education is the science of relations, um, that really frees you up. So if a day kind of goes in a different direction uh, than what you had planned or what you anticipated, you don't worry because it's all connected and it all goes together. It all fits together. One idea leads to another idea and it, um, it all works. So things like that, where you're not as tied to a checklist or a, um, a spreadsheet, you are, you're free to apply the principles, but do what works for you. That sounds wonderful. You, you have a good handle on that. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm getting there. I'm, I'm, I'm in the process constantly of learning and um, listening to other people that are much further down the road than I am. So it's good to have people that have walked this before me for sure. Absolutely. Well, I, what you've described is something that just sounds very restful which we love that idea, right? Of teaching from... Absolutely, absolutely. The idea that you as the mom and the teacher know where you're going, 
you know that you have some freedom to get there in different ways at different times. Um, you know, you're still in control in a sense, but you're free to honor your kids and their interests and kind of like you said, where the day takes you. Right. Um, I think I think one of the things that Charlotte Mason really helped me to understand was that my kids are my kids for a reason. And I have the things that they need. And that doesn't mean that I don't make mistakes or that I don't need to gain and um, pursue wisdom and pursue understanding. Of course I do. I don't just automatically know everything that I need to know, but I have a unique capacity for addressing their needs and understanding where they need to go. That is, it's a gift. It's given to me for them by the Lord. And um, I can, I can rest in that. Just like you said, that's, that's where the rest can come from, that the Lord is giving me what they need because he loves them. Yeah. He loves them more than we do. And he knows what they need. I like that. Someone said once, you know, you know, when we, our kids are frustrating us. So we think, you know, the Lord said, I gave you these kids. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes we think, did you really know what you were doing, Lord? But he does, he does. And he he gives us to us to change us and to grow us, of course, as much as they are growing. You mentioned about learning and and being, you know, learning from other people who are a little bit farther down the road. And of course, that's what we're all about here in the series of podcasts is talking about mentors and and so forth. So let's talk about that for a second. Um, What do you think of when you hear the word mentor? Well, um, it's actually a really deep, fascinating topic. The more that I've dug into it, Um, you know, mentorship is something it gets used in a lot of different contexts in our culture and it can be something that um, is almost a very casual relationship or, you know, you'll hear people discuss the idea of, you know, who's your dead mentor or, um, you know, and it just kind of has come to mean any, any person or any book or anyone who you look to for advice or counsel or direction or, or whatever the case may be. And, um, it's, it's really so much more than that. And I think as, as classical educators, you know, we're sort of in the business of repairing the ruins and recovering the, the things that have been lost in our culture. And I, I think the idea of mentorship is one of those things that, um, we should help recover. That's a great idea. I like the way you put that. Um, why do you think? Why do you think it's been lost? Why don't we esteem mentors, or, or why don't? Why isn't that part of our culture anymore? I think one of the things is, you know, we have a very egalitarian view of uh, each other in our culture, and we're all sort of, you know, we it, it's it's almost this false humility. Like we don't want to think of ourselves as below anyone or above anyone. And we kind of equate that with, if we say that we are below someone, we're diminishing our own dignity or our own personhood or something. And we don't have this idea that there can be people who are our superiors and there can be people who are inferior to us. And that does not degrade or demote anyone's humanity. It just means that we're at different places in the journey and some of us know more than others about certain things. And we should be able to submit to people that know more than us. And if we have the opportunity 
to follow behind them and learn from them and be incorporated into their lives and take part in their wisdom. It should be a great honor to us. And if we, you know, the same token, if we have the opportunity to be that mentor for someone, that we shouldn't sort of downplay the role, that we should really fall into those roles of the person who is leading and the person who is following and embrace all that that has to offer. So, you know, I think it's more than just this, this friendship or this person who wants to kind of give you advice or give you counsel. It's really a wise advisor. You know, uh, there's a, there's a component of a, of an intimacy there of a deep friendship there, but it's also someone who you look up to as that sage counselor who can lead you further than you could go on your own. Hey, that's, that's a beautifully stated. Thank you. Wow. So, um, yeah, I know I, I look at people in my life who have, have been that person for me and I am so grateful that, that the Lord has put them in my path. And, um, you know, there's time that's invested in this relationship, whether it's formal or informal. Um, like you said, you have to know the person. There has to be, the better you know them, the easier it is. It's also kind of scary to think sometimes I was talking to my husband the other day about mentors and he was thinking back on who some of his were in his career and he said you know now that I think about it it wasn't a formal relationship and they didn't even know that I was looking up to them but I was you know so I guess that should be a, a reminder to us too people will be looking up to us and yeah. whether we know it or not and so yeah. Well, uh, who would who would you count as some of your mentors, either in the pages of books or, I guess you'd say, living or dead? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, now that I've sort of been considering this idea from a different angle, um, it's really made me kind of stop and think. Um, I think, well, I mean, to start with, of course, I think the relationship that you and I have is really interesting in that capacity because you know we're some we're 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 friends but we met in a context where you were clearly the superior party I mean no one's gonna argue that Renee (laughs) um but you were you were speaking in a um professional capacity you were at the Cersei conference and and I was an attendee and I was a learner and of course we didn't know at that point that we would develop a friendship and develop a mentorship. But I think because those lines were so clearly drawn, it has helped our relationship to kind of take on those characteristics of a mentorship. And I'm really grateful for that. So I think that having, having that distinction where it's not just, you know, we don't have, we didn't have sort of an informal relationship before then. Mm -hmm. And so we stepped into that role where I was coming to you as someone who was an experienced homeschool mom and an experienced classical educator and someone with experience uh, dealing with other homeschool families. And I was able to look to you to be someone who could lead me and instruct me and warn me. I mean, there's been several conversations we've had where you have said some things that needed to be said to me, um, dealing with you know other situations that have come up in our co-op or even in my own homeschool, and you have not hesitated to tell me the things that I needed to know to do the next thing. 
So for sure, our relationship, I would consider, I consider you a mentor. And I think that it really meets the definition that I would love to see the word get back to. I mean, I look at, there's so many people that I could say I've learned from and I've uh, grown uh, grown because of their wisdom and their their input in my life, um, but I don't know that they're mentors. And so, I mean, this is this is an idea that it's really kind of new. I haven't really been grappling this grappling with this for very long. But especially since you mentioned this series coming up and just some other ideas that we've been kind of tossing around here, um, I think that I think there's just so much more behind that word and. Even, you know, I've just kind of been looking more into, in, in classical literature, you know, where did this idea come up? Mm-hmm. And of course, an Odyssey mentor who helps Telemachus along his journey, you know, that idea of that trusted friend who can come alongside you and be the person that kind of calls you to that heroic mentality that sort of draws out of you what you maybe didn't know is there, but um, is able to to pull you up and get you going in a better direction than than you were. Right. Yeah. And, and I would add for those of you who are listening, you know, who don't know Jamie and I, um, it, it has been so much fun to to be her friend. And Jamie first invited me to come talk to her group of homeschooling moms and. And I was like, well, sure. And, and we just sat down around the table and enjoyed a meal together. And I was free to answer their questions about, you know, what it's like to homeschool five kids. But at the same time, I, you know, then I'll turn around and call Jamie and say, hey, let's go have lunch. Or I dragged her with me to the gym one day and we worked out together. <laughs> so um, and it's just been a lot of fun just to be friends. So not every mentor relationship has to have a super formal aspect of it. You know, I bet there can be levels of formality and a more organized organized mentor-mentee relationship, but not always. I just love the fact that it just sort of kind of sprang out of us getting to know each other. And um, it's been it's been wonderful and, and a really neat blessing. So you are a member of a group of, of homeschooling moms. Like I said, y'all invited me up there to, to speak with you. Tell us a little bit about that group. Who started it? How did it come together? And, and um, tell us about the group. Sure. Um, well, we started with just four of us, four moms, wanting to do something that we didn't currently have access to in our part of Houston. Um, if you're familiar with Houston, you know that just because you say you know something's in Houston doesn't mean that it's anywhere near you. So um, on our end of town, on Uh, the Northeast end, we saw a need for a classical Charlotte Mason learning opportunity for our students. And there wasn't anything that we were aware of. And so we decided, um, like all crazy homeschool families do, like, well, we could do this. We could start this. No problem. So um, we did. We we got together and it was the first year it was the four of us, our families, and then we invited two other families to join us. So six of us, six families all together. And we just decided to, to go, to start. We didn't have it all together. We didn't really know exactly what we wanted it to look like or how it was all going to work out. But we figured, let's just do it anyway. 
And I'm so glad we did because it's been a huge blessing to our family and it's been a neat opportunity to connect with these other moms. So we started out with six and then we grew. We've added families each year and um, we're up to about 25 families so far. And we have really put an emphasis in our group, of course, on the methods and um, principles of Charlotte Mason, but also we've really tried to maintain a, um, an environment where the moms don't feel like this is something that they just show up and their kids are a part of it. It's something to do for the kids, but there's not really anything more than that. We've tried to do something that focuses on the mom almost as much as on the kids. In fact, we've had several conversations lately where we've talked about the idea of, you know, maybe this co-op, we kind of, we kind of do it under the guise of getting our kids together and doing some poetry or some Shakespeare or some geography. But really, maybe we, what we need to be doing is a whole program for the mother. And the benefit of, you know, doing something for our kids too, I mean, that, that's still there. But we have made it a one of our values to focus on the sole nourishment of the mom and realizing that that is the key to a successful and a thriving homeschool is a, a mom who feels nourished and who feels equipped and who feels supported. And so as much as we want to provide quality instruction for our children and, and do things that are really worth their time and effort, we also want to provide equally for the mom. That's an amazing goal. And I love that you started out with that as part of your, your plan. And um, like you said, you might've started thinking about the kids, but it's obvious that you have seen a real need to, to include moms. So like you said, a, a nourished mom is going to have that effect, that overflow effect into her homeschool. So how do you do this? How do you, how do you go about building up the moms in your community? Well, there's several ways that we've tried it. You know, I mean, we really don't know what we're doing. <laughs> it's very much trial and error and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't work. And, but it's good. It's good to be on this journey with these moms. Um, one of the things that we started doing was incorporating what we call a scole hour. And that just means we arrange for all the moms um, to have one hour during our meeting morning. So we meet on Thursday mornings from nine to 12 and one hour of that is set aside for some restful learning. So we um, have read books together. We have read our own books separately and come together to discuss them. There's been times where we've just kind of um, selected different articles or writings to go over together so really, it's just a time to, to connect over what we're thinking about and what we're reading and to help nurture each other in our own intellectual and spiritual lives and to kind of remember that we're not just planning lessons and reading books and, and doing all the things so that we can teach our children. We realize that the curriculum is in the mind of the teacher. And the more that we understand and the more that we're growing, the more that it's going to benefit our students, the more that we're going to have to give them. 
And so we really see that as something that's so, so fundamental to providing the kind of education that we want to give our children. Wow. So this, this is more than just a mom's book club, then. This sounds like there are intentional choices that y'all are making as far as the resources you're choosing to study together. So do you have like a governing board or a, a coordinator group that makes these choices that we're going to read this book together for this month? We do. We, it's kind of, you know, in the past, we, we've kind of done it all different ways. There's been times where we've sort of discussed it and we've put together a book list kind of based on the coordinator's recommendations. And then we've also had, we've had one mom who has sort of taken on that, that role. And so she has taken the responsibility of choosing the books and choosing the, choosing the articles. And it has sort of, freed, we've tried to free her up to really be able to focus on that. So it's not just something that we're kind of throwing together at the last minute, but it's something we've really tried to throw our resources and our time behind so that it's just as much a component of the planning of our co-op year as, as anything else is. Now we're all curious. What are some of the books y'all have read? Well, you will be shocked to know last year it was Home Education, Volume 1 of Charlotte Mason. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, but we have done different PNEU articles. Um, we have read our own books. There was one semester where we took some of the funds that everyone paid into co-op and we turned around and bought everybody books with some of that. So we kind of put together a list, everything from You Are What You Love by James K. Smith. Mm-hmm. Some people chose novels off the list, um, like Peace Like a River, um, one of the selections. Yes. So it's kind of been, it's kind of been all over the place. You know, the idea is not so much, what are you reading, but how are you engaging with the ideas, engage in engaging with the people around you? And you can kind of do that, whether you're on the same, the same book together, reading the same thing, or you're all reading something different. Because again, education is the science of relations and all of these ideas work together. So it's been really neat to see how it really does all work together and it doesn't have to be everybody doing the same thing at the same time. It just has to be people willing to jump in and and enter that conversation with each other. So in your co-op, I'm guessing during your school hour, you can't have every single mom there at the same time or there would be nobody to teach and watch. Right. <laughs> so you split it up. Or you have like two separate school hours or three hours? And yeah, we have three. So each hour, there's a group of moms. And so then the other two thirds of the moms are running the classes. Um, and we even divided up. The, we're um, blessed to be at a church that has... Uh, lots of different classrooms and um, a nice nursery facility. So we even split it up where moms with little ones could have a school aid group in the nursery and the little ones could be kind of, you know, crawling all over the place and uh, Mm -hmm. playing around us. And um, we would all gather together in the nursery room to have a discussion. And then there's also um, a group that would meet the church has like a little lounge area. And so some moms would meet in there. So it really was um, a way to bless the other moms in the group. Like we really kind of all, all saw it as us, helping everyone to, to be able to have this hour. Cause it's a huge hassle. Like logistically 
it's a pain, honestly, to kind of have to factor in, okay, how are we going to make sure everybody gets this? And how are we going to make sure each person has a full hour off when we're, 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 we're using the co-op model? You know, we don't have, at that point, at this point, we don't have, you know, certain teachers that just teach and then everybody else is free. At, at that point, it was kind of all hands on deck mm-hmm. and everybody had something to do. And so it required a lot of scheduling and logistics and spreadsheets and moving things here and there to make it happen. But I would say that more than anything has contributed to the, the health and the vitality of our group. I know you're, um, you've said that your kind of your buzzwords or your slogan are collaborative, classical, and connectional. Did I get those right? Christian, classical, and collaborative, yes. Okay. Christian, classical, and collaborative. Okay, we got, well, we can add connectional because you're obviously making yeah. connections. Yeah. yeah, that's great. So do you, do you specifically assign groups based on, um, I think these moms need to get to know one another or do you call the new ones or do you make sure you have some older, younger relationship? Uh, no, no, not at all. We just do what works and hope for the best. Okay. <laughs> just who's yeah. off that hour. Okay. <laughs> we completely trust the Lord to work out that detail because that was more logistical prowess than, than we can manage, but it worked out beautifully. You know, it was one of those things that you, you, you know, we, we maybe could have set out to be super intentional about, okay, this is a newer, you know, newer to homeschooling mom, or these are younger moms or the, you know, um, but we weren't, we just kind of tried to do what made most sense in terms of the schedule and, and, and where people were at and where they needed to be. And, um, it just worked out. It worked out great. Everybody, everybody was in the group that they needed to be in mm-hmm. and the conversations were really rich. And so it, it worked out. Good. That's wonderful. So are you going to keep doing that this year then, this coming year? Yeah, we are. You know, we, the nature of a thing like this is that you're, you just, you realize it's organic and it's living. It's not something that you can just kind of set in motion and then just let it ride until, you know, who knows, however long. Um, it's something that each year we keep coming back to and revisiting because, needs change and the makeup of the group changes. And so this is something that the, 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 um, the way it looks may change, the format may change a little bit, but I believe this will consistently be something that takes priority. And that even if we change our dynamic a little bit, we're always going to make sure that this stays a part of it because it's been such a good use of our time and our resources and our, our scheduling efforts on the front end. Um, it's really been, I think it's been crucial in cultivating an environment where moms feel like they are needed in, in the lives of the other moms and where they feel like the, the emphasis on their own learning and their own growing is there. You know, it's not just something that we, we talk about. It's something that we've really, tried to, to implement. And so I think that has transferred over and it's kind of become what we're known for a little bit. So Mm -hmm. it's really important to us to, to keep that, to keep that going. Well, and I can see you're modeling. I mean, you you know, you're practicing what you're preaching to use the old saying, right? You're, You're modeling that moms do need, they need encouragement. They need to be poured into, they need to work on their own growth so that their children will benefit from that. 
And so you're, you're providing that opportunity for that to happen. Not just, I can imagine, you know, we could all tell our, our different moms in our community, go read a book or, or, or go to a conference or listen to a podcast, but to actually provide the space and the time and the structure and the, the atmosphere for that to happen. Yes. Um, I, I think that is very unique. I mean, I, I cannot say that I have ever heard of another co-op um, that specifically does that. I mean, and I can also see that it's, it's really valuable because if you were to tell everyone, okay, outside of co-op, we're going to have a book club or outside of co-op, we're going to have a fellowship night once a month. That would be a lot harder to happen. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think, I think having it embedded in our day definitely sends the message that this matters. And this is something that we want to have. um, We want it to be part of our culture. We've also done things outside of, of the, of the, the community day, you know, we'll do like a mom's night out or we've done different uh, events where we sort of pick a topic of interest um, that would be of interest to to everyone generally, and had those nights where we come together and sort of have this exchange of ideas and different resources. But you're right; it's really it's hard, especially when you're in the phase of life where there's babies involved and and lots of moving parts. It's hard to make sure that everybody that that wants to participate in that gets to. And so this way. We're not relying just on the the mom's night out or, or different things like that to be able to connect. We're also making space for it when we're already all together. So I think that really helps. Help It helps everyone be included. And then to the extent that they're able to be a part of it outside of it, you know, I think those those times are important too. And, and it all works together to sort of create that environment. So how do you see this working in the lives of, say, the brand new mom? So someone, you know, who's just coming to your co-op, you know, let's say she knows another family and, and their friends and th- that person encouraged her and her kids to join. How does it help the new ones really feel connected and drawn into your community? Well, I think it shows them that, that this is what we want to do. You know, we're not, we're not people that sort of cringe at the idea of, oh, we have to, we have to help this person or we have to, you know, be available or we have to open up our, our lives. You know, we, we want to do that. And we are very invested in the idea that what we're doing right now is not just affecting right now. You know, we really want to take this multi-generational view to our homeschooling. And I mean, that sounds so, sounds so lofty or it sounds so, you know, sort of like head in the clouds type of, type of vision, but we really do mean it. And in order for us to have any kind of impact in the future, we have to be available to the people that are right in front of us. And so when a new mom comes into our group, we want to have an environment where she feels like everyone is here for her and we're open. You know, we want to be friends and we want to be advisors to one another and we want to um, be real about our struggles and about the, the level of difficulty that is involved in what we're doing. But we also want to share in the joy and we want other women that are maybe just starting the journey to go, oh, look at those women. Like they're cheerful and they're enjoying what they're doing. And this is not something that, you know, everybody's walking around with glum faces and 
all burdened with the weight of the world, that this is actually something that these people are delighting in. And so I think having having that openness, uh, it, it allows people to come in and to get the, get the impression that we want you here and we want you to be a part of this. We want you to be in our lives. And it, it just kind of creates that, that open door that they can walk through and not feel like they're imposing or having to kind of break down these, these walls where, you know, there's all these established friendships and these moms know each other really well. And I'm just coming in and we really want there to be an openness and a warmness and a sense of, a sense of welcome. Yeah. Hospitality, right? Joy. Absolutely. I remember once an older homeschool mom, when we first started, I asked, I forget what we were talking about. And she just made this offhand comment and she said, you know, we have good days and we have bad days. I really love my kids and I needed to hear that you know I needed to hear that's what homeschooling is about that we love our kids even in spite of the ups and the downs and, and just to clarify again for our listeners y'all don't all go to the same church you don't all right I mean there's a diversity within your group oh absolutely absolutely no we're not all part of the same church we're not even all necessarily self-described hardcore Charlotte Mason homeschoolers. I mean, we're very clear about the fact that we're a Christian group and we're also classical and we, um, we subscribe to the philosophies and methods of Charlotte Mason, but we really welcome anyone, you know, as long as you're clear on this is, this is what we sort of rallied around. This is what we gathered around, but anyone who hears that and still wants to be a part of it is more than welcome to be. So, you know, we want to be very clear from the outset that this is what we stand for and this is how we're going to proceed and this is what a day is going to look like. But we don't want anyone to feel like they are excluded because they don't meet this, you know, quote unquote standard that we've set up. We really want to be honest about what we're doing but also be very open and be very welcoming to anybody that wants to join. So we've kind of had all different, all different kinds of people who have been a part of our co-op. And, and some people have found it to be a great fit. And some people have said, you know what, this was a really great year. We're really thankful, but we're going to move on. And we're totally fine with that. We are, we feel like this is such a, such a small, close-knit movement that we're a part of that we just can't afford to waste any time on this is our side and this is your side or this is what we're doing and you can go over there if you want to do that. Um, I just don't think there's any place for that in the homeschooling community. You know, what we're doing is just, it's too important for that. So obviously there's things we need to agree on and there's things we don't need to negotiate on whatsoever, but there's a lot of room to be to be each other's fans and to be each other's supporters. And as much as we can do that, we, I, I think we need to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, any advice for others that, that want to start a group like this and are, you know, where do we start? How do, what's the first thing I need to do? What would you tell them? Oh man. Well, I would work on, before I started a group, I would work on starting a friendship and, that can mean, you know, it, it may be people that you've known for years and years, and it may be people that you have just met. But I would say the more time that you can invest in the relationship with the people that you are coming together with, um, 
the better off it will be because there's going to be disagreements and there's going to be different ways of looking at things. And there's going to be times that come up and it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. And so I think it's quick to kind of jump to looking each, looking at each other as, as colleagues or as, you know, kind of like, you know, business associates almost, um, and invest in friendships and, take some time to understand each other and to really look at each other as, as people. And as simple as that sounds like to really see the person in front of you and realize that she's a mom, just like you who loves her kids just as much as you do and is looking to provide for them just like you are. And to realize that when these differences come up, you're going to have to negotiate them on those terms. And so I'm really grateful for the friends that, we have some I've known for years and years and years, and some are brand new, but it's been time well spent to really invest in the friendship and to listen to where the other person is coming from and to realize that they are coming with gifts that I don't have and they know things that I don't know. And I need, I need those people in my life. Yeah. And the Lord usually does a great job of, of putting people together that, like you said, have different gifts and uh, kind of fill in the holes for each other. Yes. Any, any warnings, any pitfalls that you would avoid or, um, you know, kind of a, if you were cautioning someone, be careful, what would you say? Well, I, I think you just can't be too clear. You can't over communicate. <laughs> Even if you think, oh, this is ridiculous. I don't need to say that. You need to say it. Just go ahead and say it. Uh, put it out there. You know, have have just as 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 much communication and information that you can share, and be as honest and as real as you can possibly be. And it will be time well spent to go ahead and 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 get on the same page. And that way you know where everybody stands and you know what you're getting into. And it's, it, it, it's a blessing to just have all of that laid out and, and clearly stated. And it, it saves a lot of time and a lot of confusion. So definitely recommend use, use the words, use all the words. <laughs> <laughs> Clear communication. Right. Right. We are all about communication. Definitely. Um, any favorite resources that you like or that, that you found really helpful in this journey for you? I think that there is a, there's so much out there. I wouldn't say there's necessarily one specific resource, but I would say that there is in value, there's value in being able to look at something and go, I like this part of it, but I don't like that part of it. And to be free to do just that and not embrace the whole. And, you know, we can, we can read a book or we can um, hear something, but it's from somebody that we maybe wouldn't necessarily wholesale endorse, or maybe it's from a different uh, way of way of teaching or a different way of looking at things. Um, but if it's something that resonates with you and sticks out to you and you think, oh, that that's really good. I really like that. Then feel free to use it. You know, I feel like we have drawn from a bunch of different, a bunch of different resources. We've, you know, looked at different websites. We've all read different books mm-hmm. and we kind of pull together what works for us and what doesn't. We just don't do that part. So there's a lot of freedom in it. That's nice. Chew the meat, spit out the bones. Is the exactly. 
words to live by. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and you're right, because every group will be individual. Every group will have their own their own culture that they're going to be starting, especially when they grow it from the ground up. And um, one group's resources may not be what another group needs. Yeah, it's very helpful to have people to look to and to have other groups to kind of get some ideas from. But I think the beauty of what we do is being able to really tailor what you're doing to your families and what how you want to do it. So even if you're doing something that you can't quite find exactly what you need, then you can kind of take inspiration from a bunch of different places and put together something that works for you and tweak it as you go along and look at your families and see how they're responding and look at your kids and see if they're thriving in that and, and adjust as you need to. That makes sense. Thank you. Well, when we think of a mentor as, as a guide who helps us flourish, it can be easy to think that this means just one person. And I hope Jamie and her story has helped encourage you guys that there can be strength in numbers. So Jamie, thank you for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Of course. Thank you so much for having me.